Perhaps you've wondered why there are benedictions given at the conclusion of of worship services, a long-standing tradition and history in the church that the Lord instituted. And we have probably the most famous benediction or blessing uh, found in God's Word here in Numbers chapter 6, commencing at verse 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto, the, unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise, or in this way, ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. The idea is they're lifting up their hands and they're placing the blessing upon the children of Israel. So the proper benediction is with the lift up of hand of the uh, minister and calling for God's blessing upon his people. Again, this is the most famous uh, benediction in the Bible. The benediction is usually understood as a parting blessing in public worship. It's often found in the conclusion of a psalm or a New Testament book. It really is a coveted word from God. It's God's amen upon the service, upon the worship. It's the Lord's conclusion of blessing upon his people as we exit, as we go back to our places of, of, uh, of residence and, and work. It's an element in worship. It's the response of God to his people's worship. And the context tells us here that uh, if you look at the bookends of the context, you have the Nazarite vow, and someone who vows unto the Lord a, a, a special vow of, of, of uh, seeking him. And you had, remember Samson and, and Samuel, uh, where they had a vow given to the Lord. It was, short, it was, it was a short Time might have been, in Samson's case, it was lifelong as well as Samuel, but in previous contexts, you could have a, a, a time-limited uh, vow unto the Lord for whatever reason. Maybe you had an emergency or you sought a certain blessing and you, uh, and you, and you uh, uh, vowed unto the Lord that you would do something proper, uh, maybe give up something or whatever and ask the Lord's answer to a particular prayer or concern. But that was for individuals. And then the next context, chapter 7, is princes bringing their offerings at the dedication of the altar. So you had individuals who were vowing a Nazarite vow, and you also had princes, certain uh, individuals, if you will. But interestingly, this blessing is for every individual in the congregation in Israel. The Lord bless thee, but he says, speak to the children of Israel, not just to Nazarites and princes or people in leadership, but everyone. And then individually, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. And so it's a special blessing that we, all of us, ordinary people, can receive from the Lord and must, we need God's blessing uh, upon our lives if we are to 
to see our lives count for the Lord and count for eternity. And so this blessing uh, that God spoke to Moses, to Aaron and his sons, to the priests, was for all of God's people, rich and poor, famous and ordinary. And even remember, children or, or the parents brought their children to Jesus to bless them. And the disciples rebuked them as if they were saying, Jesus is too busy for children. But yeah, what did Jesus say? That's one of the rare times he got upset with his disciples. And he said, allow the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. And so he put his hands upon the children and blessed them, took them up in his arms. And uh, he loves children. He loves to save young people as well as older people. He saves at both both spectrums of life. A treasure who's buried in the backyard here was saved in his 60s. Uh, the Lord converted him. He wished that he would been, had been saved earlier, but he was able to live about 15 years before the Lord took him to glory. And the Lord saves the young and the old. But this is God's blessing upon his people. And the word bless and blessing seems to be so simple it's hard to define. And people have asked, what does it mean? It seems so general. Uh, can we ever have an in, a uh, definition for it and an understanding of it? Well, I'll attempt to do that, but again, it's one of those words that you seem to understand the meaning without having to define it, even though it seems to be general in nature. Now, he indicates here that his blessing comes indirectly in that Aaron and his sons were to speak to the children of Israel and, and bless them, the Lord bless thee. But it's direct in the sense that it's God that blesses, not man. We need the Lord's blessing. And though we may, in a sense, bless one another with a gift or with kindness, ultimately, every blessing, good Good gift comes from the Lord, comes from above, the Bible says. So what do we, how do we, if we can define bless, what does it mean? A man named Delich said, it's the goodness of God in action. That's a, that's a pretty good thought, the goodness of God in action. It's to gift someone. It's to bestow an object of help. It's to endow, it's to favor someone. In a sense, it's, it's, there's an umbrella, a divine umbrella, with so much underneath that umbrella. God has given us good health. That's a blessing. You know, you talk about count your blessings. What about good health, a long life? I guess if we lived even to see the, the, the light of day, it's a long life. Little Matthew got to see nine months. And people wonder, how do you explain a nine-month-old being taken by the Lord and Matthew Henry said, the Lord plucked the flower before it wilted. And he is sovereign, and it's a great crisis. But they believe Matthew's with the Lord in heaven, and he didn't get to see years and years of this fallen world. And he's in glory. But food, I mean, the Lord provides. That's what Paul said to the Gentiles. He said, God is given the nations food. He's good to us. Salvation and eternal life. Blessed are they that are forgiven, Psalm 32. 
offspring, having children and grandchildren, answered prayer, rain and sunshine from heaven, harvests, marriage, work, home from earth, the provision of our needs, the protection from our enemies. Think about this: the Lord's Day. The Bible says that he blessed the Sabbath day to man. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Do we see this as a blessing or as an inconvenience? This is a blessing to have a one day in seven that the Lord says, I want, it, I want you to worship me. I want you to seek me. Spend the day. It's holy time under the Lord. And yet, so often people treat it as if it's the Lord's hour. The Lord doesn't say, remember the Sabbath hour to keep it holy. But the Sabbath day, it's his word. It's, it's not ours. I wish, and the day, and you know, your heart should say, I wish that the day comes when, remember the Sabbath week to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath eternity to keep it holy. For eternity is one long Sabbath. If we dread a whole day under the Lord, what is our hope of heaven? Is there any hope? Because heaven is one long day of worship and praise unto the Lord. So I challenge us. It's God's word. It's God's commandment. If we love Jesus, we'll keep his commandments. Godly, a godly character. How often does he say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. He's saying, you're blessed if you're converted and you're going on with God and you're, and you're developing a Christian character. It's a great blessing to go on with the Lord spiritually. Christ is the great blessing of the believer. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 5, a doxology is similar to a benediction, but a doxology is us blessing the Lord, where the benediction is the Lord blessing us. But you have from time to time, even in the middle of books of the Bible, doxologies. It's like the writer is just full of praise. And in the middle of a, of a, of a sentence or the middle of a passage, he just erupts in, in a doxology. And Romans 9, 5 is, is such. It says that Christ is God, blessed forever. That's a tremendous text on the deity of Christ. He's God, blessed forever. How the, the Jehovah Witnesses will say, oh no, it says God, blessed forever, that Christ is blessed by God. No, that text says that Christ is God, and as God, he's blessed forever. It's speaking of the divinity of Christ. Mary was blessed to be the one to bear the Messiah. Just being obedient. You know, the last is to see, oh, he, he doesn't want you to eat from one tree. Matter of fact, the devil came to Eve, remember, at first and said, you can't eat of any of the trees. See, the devil wants to, us to think God is stingy. You can't eat from any of the trees. Oh, no, Eve knew we, cannot, we can eat from all the trees, but one. All the trees, but one. And if we eat from that tree, we'll die. And then the devil lies. The devil wants us to be suspicious of God, as if God is a killjoy. And yet again, I say, God says you can have six days, but one is mine. And what is our reaction to that? I want the seven. I want that for myself. God can have an hour, but he wants the day. He's sovereign. He's the Lord. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. He's our one who blesses us, and it should be a blessing to us that God wants us ordinary people to spend time with him. Isn't that a privilege? Innumerable privileges. It's an amazing 
blessed that we should see the God of heaven. You know, there are some dignitaries out in the world and famous people that if they wanted to sit down with you for an hour over coffee, you and I might say, wow, are you kidding me? That famous person? And yet the God of glory who made all those famous people, who made the world, says, I want you to sit down with me for a whole day. What a privilege to worship the Lord morning and evening and and spending time with our God and fellowship with one another in his word. It's God's blessing. And I know that this passage doesn't speak about our blessing to God, our doxologies, but yet we can't not think of that, that how often do we read in the Bible, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's the creator who is blessed forever, Romans 1.25. And then Jesus is called God blessed forever. Isn't it interesting? You have Romans 1.25 where the creator is blessed forever. And then you have Jesus who is blessed forever. Look at, look at the association there. Jesus is God. He's the creator. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are blessed forever. In 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who, comfort us, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Again, Paul just begins his book to the Corinthian church with a doxology. Do we love to praise God and adore him and thank him? You know the, the doxology that many churches include in every worship service. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all there's here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That is a great blessing to be able to bless God. In 1 Timothy, he erupts in the first chapter. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and majesty forever and ever. How can we endow or enrich God? He needs nothing. And yet it pleases him that his lowly creatures, saved by the grace of God, praise him, praise him, all ye people. Didn't we just sing that in Psalm 67? Let the people praise thee. What does he say? Let all the people praise thee. And the day's coming when every individual is going to praise God. It says every knee will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's sovereign to the praise of God. We bless him for, for praising us with a redeemed, with a redeemer. We bless him by having faith in God, by adoring him, worshiping him, loving him, and obeying him. But this is God's blessing upon us. And first of all, we notice it's, his blessings are sanctioned by the word of God. It's not our idea or our, our invent spake saying Unto Moses, speak. Notice the saying, speak, over and over again. It's one, two, three, four, at least five times. And the Lord spake unto, unto saying, in this wise, uh, speak unto the children of Israel, saying unto them. Is that six times? He's reiterating, it's my word. It's not Moses' idea. It's not some invention by man. It's God saying, my word is a blessing to my people. He's given us his word. This is a blessing from Genesis to Revelation. We need to see it as God speaking to us and blessing us 
when you think of food and health and all the temporal blessings of God, what a blessing this is. You know, they would have given their lives, and people did give their lives, to put the Bible into the common person's hand. The Roman church said, no, the Bible's dangerous if you put it into the hands of the plowman, of the, of the ordinary person. But the Bible says when the Spirit of God is in an ordinary person like I am, that God can bless us with his word, and we won't, we won't, won't take it out of context. We won't pervert it, because the Spirit will guide us into all truth. And so, you remember the brethren of the past and sisters risked their lives by putting the Bible into the common person's language. And it was at Tyndale that said, I'm going to see that the plowman has the word of God. Look at, we have the word of God for centuries. They had to go to a, a certain place. There was one Bible, one scroll, maybe just some scrolls. Can you imagine having to come to this building? This is the only place where you can find the Bible. For centuries it was like that. No one had their own. Let's treasure this. Don't let it. Let's read God's word and hear God's word. He has spoken to us that he's going to bless us. Benedictions are words from God that are read or relayed to us. Again, individual Bibles were unknown even in the days of Moses and Aaron. They needed Moses to convey to, to them. Of course, God spoke his words, didn't he, at Mount Sinai and wrote them down for his people. There were verbal Bibles back then, but we have the public reading of God's word today, which is a blessing to us. It's indeed the Lord blessing us, his word to us. When we privately read God's word, take it as a blessing. It's God speaking to us. You know, someone said, what's more important, praying or reading the Bible?" And Spurgeon said, that's like asking what's more important, breathing in or breathing out. What a privilege it is. But let's not just pray. If you're going to pray, you don't know what to pray unless you're reading the Bible. The Bible gives us prayers and sentiments of God's people and truths about God that we can praise Him for. And the reason probably we don't pray often or deeply enough because we're not in the Scriptures often and deeply enough. It's the scriptures that teach us how to pray. And so pray with an open Bible. Have an open Bible and reading. Pray over every verse. So often we're hurrying through it because I've got to read a chapter. I've got to read five chapters. Privately is a blessing. God's word to us publicly is a blessing. They handed Jesus a scroll of Isaiah and he read it. And what a blessing it was for Jesus to read. We'll look at that, we'll look later, but right after the reading of Scripture, there was the preaching of, the, of that Scripture that was read. Jesus went on to preach from Isaiah that he just read. Paul reads the Scripture uh, to a, con- a congregation, and they say, well, tell us what it means. Speak to us about it. And Paul goes on to preach. And, you know, he's, in every public worship service, there should be the public reading of God's Word, and then the exposition of it. The preaching of it, those are two elements that should not be missing. But there are many other elements as well. And so you read sermons in Acts 2, 7, 11, 13, and 14, etc. The messages were preached after the public reading of God's word. But notice not only is the, are God's blessings sanctioned by his word, they come through a mediator. 
There's, a, there's something that can be missed here. It says, the Lord spake unto Moses, and then Moses was to speak to Aaron and his sons. In other words, God used a mediator, mediators, to relay his blessing. And that's a, a, a subject we need to keep in mind. So often people say, I go directly to God in prayer. Well, the Bible says Jesus is the bridge to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. There's only one bridge to God the Father, and it's Christ. And yet how often do you, re- you hear people say, well, I know God. I believe in God. Well, do you believe in Christ? Because the devil has not been so foolish to be an atheist. Isn't it amazing that people claim to be atheistic, and the devil is not so foolish to be atheistic because the Bible says the devils believe in God and tremble. And yet they, they deceive people to believe there is no God. You see the hypocritical liar of the devil? And yet we find that God's people can only find God through Jesus Christ. The devil hates the mediator between God and man. He hates Christ. He wanted to kill Christ and thought he was successful. But Jesus died that we might be forgiven and we might be reinstated in our fellowship with God. So the principle of mediation is here. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The Lord could have just said to Moses and Aaron, I'll speak to the people. No, you speak to them. And that's the principle that God uses a mediator and Christ is the one who came to speak God's word and God's will. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And yet he's so undervalued, isn't he? Jesus is dangerously missed by people. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So many think that by their good works and their wishful thinking, and even just by death itself, they'll go to heaven. But the Bible says that Christ is the way to heaven. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't miss Christ. It's like going toward a cliff and there's no bridge. And you think you're going to cross that, that chasm, that expanse, by just driving up to it and then you plummet. How many people have plummeted over the cliff? But Christ is the bridge from earth to heaven. Get to Christ and he'll take you safely over that chasm and he'll bring you safely to glory. As he said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And so to be in Christ, to be in the ark of our salvation is critical. The description that's used mostly in all the Bible about believers, not Christian, not believer, but in Christ. In Christ. I've got to be in Christ. I've got to be hidden in in his bosom. He takes me to heaven. He's the mediator. He's the one that brings me safely home. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14? Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. In other words, you can't just believe in God. You've got to believe in God's Son to get to heaven. It's believing in God through his Son that we are blessed, that we are blessed. Thirdly, 
to invoke the name of the Lord is really the precept of the third commandment. He says, bring this blessing upon my people. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. You notice that he tells them, invoke my name. That's the the positive of the third commandment. Remember the third commandment says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Literally, thou shalt not lift up my name to an ordinary purpose. But this, this is the positive. But you shall lift up my name to bless my people. You shall lift up my name to praise me for who I am. And so you have the precept of the third commandment to lift up the name of the Lord worshipfully. The Lord, notice, three times. Does that not ring a bell? The Lord bless thee. The Lord lift up his uh, countenance, or the Lord shine his face upon thee. And the Lord lift up the Trinitarian blessing. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The threefold ironic blessing. The Father is the Lord. The Son is the Lord. He's Jesus, literally, the Lord saves. He will save his people from their sins. And the Spirit is the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3.18. In other words, the Lord is saying, I want you to bless by the threefold name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Oh, how doctrine is taught, is it not? So carefully and so uh, with so much anticipation that we swear by his name, that we bless by his name, that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are the ones who cause his people to be blessed. But notice also the crescendo of blessing. It's a poetic section, this benediction. It's poetry. The first blessing is three words and 12 syllables. The second blessing is five words and 14 syllables. The third blessing is seven words and 16 syllables. And so there's a gradation of a blessing here. A crescendo of blessing. To bless, to shine, to lift up his face. Those are, there's a development there. There's a, there's a progress of blessing. And the second word expands upon the first word. It's like someone said, the first word is asking God to move. The second part of each blessing is, to act, is, is asking God to, to act. First of all, to get his attention, and then to act. And that's what the, the, the benediction is teaching us. The Lord bless thee. In other words, it's, it's, it's saying, Lord, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. You've got to be kept first. It's like Matthew Henry said, the first word is... Uh, there's three P's that he used. The first word, I can't remember the first word, but pardon and peace. But there's a first word that, that speaks of the Lord first turning toward his people to favor them with pardon. And I'll have to pick, I'll have to, maybe that'll come to my mind soon, but there's, there's, a, there's a development from general to specific. The Lord bless thee. In other words, Lord, with your mouth, bless by keeping your people. And you know, that's a word that's not just when you become saved, you're kept from the power of the devil. That word is also has the idea, he keeps us until we're converted. 
Some of us were converted later in life, and you and I can remember some dangerous times that, that happened to us. There were a couple times I almost drowned before I was saved, or woke up while I was driving in, in North Syracuse, in, up past Watertown, and I woke up, my friend Steve in the, in the passenger side, I'm in the middle of the road, and there's a car coming straight toward me within seconds. If I hadn't woken up, we'd be dead. And think of the times the Lord protected us before we were converted, and how the Lord causes his angels to, to, to uh, surround us, to keep us. So we're saying, Lord, protect us. Bless us and protect us. The second one, the sh- shine your face upon us. That is, Lord, now like the sun shines and warms us and, and causes the plants, to, Lord, please not only speak to us, but Lord, shine your face to us and be gracious to us. Forgive our sins. Don't just keep us in this world from death, but Lord, we've got to be kept unto salvation. Lord, be pleased to lift, to shine your face. That is, God's personality is toward us. His rays of mercy are are shining upon us. Lord, not only keep us, but be gracious to us. We need Christ. We don't just need God's goodness. We don't just need a span of lifetime here. We need salvation. Be gracious to us. And then to lift up the face his countenance is like the Lord and giving us peace is now like the Lord smiling upon us and showing his power by lifting up his face. He's looking at us now specifically and he's causing us to have peace with him that we have been converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God's blessing is threefold, but you can see how it develops. And the conclusion is even more expansive and thou shalt put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. There are eight words and 18 syllables. So you can see the poetic nature of this benediction. And it's saying, basically, God is our Alpha and Omega. He's the one that blesses us, and at the end of the day, he's the one that, that gives us peace. And you remember the Lord's benediction upon his people after he rose from the dead? What did he say twice to his disciples when he met with them on resurrection day? Peace be unto you. I've kept you. I've been gracious to you. Now in the midst of the fact that I've been murdered and that you're going to be persecuted, I bring a peace to you that no man can bring to you. That you can have peace in the midst of storm because I'm the one that walks on the water and changes the weather and I'm the one that protects you from your enemies and leads you safely to glory. He's the one that has begun a good work in us and will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so what's happening here, the blessings lengthen in this benediction. And the Lord uh, keeping us from evil, preserving us until the day of salvation. He shines his face on us. When a person is saved and converted, the Lord shines his face upon us. The sunlight shines. Jesus is the sun of righteousness. S-U-N, it says in Malachi, that arises with healing in his wings. And our cry today is not just, Lord, keep lost people from dying before it's too late. Not just, Lord, be, be good to them. We want God's goodness to all people. But we want God to shine upon souls. 
that the sunlight of his grace would reach people. It's like I was reading in Acts the other day, Abraham, who we think was a, you know, we think the name Abraham, he was a godly man, but he was an idolater. And it says that the God of glory appeared to Abraham. He shone his face, shined his face upon Abraham. That's what saved him from his idolatry. He didn't make up his mind to seek the Lord. The Lord caused his face to shine upon Abraham. And then he lifted up his, his countenance and gave Abraham peace. So these blessings were upon God's people long before the benediction was given to Moses and Aaron, the people of God. And as I was mentioning earlier, that this is a prayer for God to move and act for his people. Lord, please move. Bless your people. We're undeserving. This is asking a superior to bless an inferior. And we have no right for the blessing. We have no right for that blessing. It's grace. It's grace alone. But God is the superior. says, I will bless the inferior. Lord, please bless us. Move, Lord. Cause your face to shine. So it's like we're saying, Lord, first of all, hear. Then shine and then smile and pay attention to us. Please, Lord. Is this like Moses said? Arise, O Lord. Come to your people. Draw near to us. Think of the benediction in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In a sense, that's what it's saying here. The first thing we need is the is the love of God. And he showed his love by sending his son. And when God shows us, when God loves us, he says, he'll give us the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that benediction has the father second, the son first, and the spirit last. But as far as the chronology of our salvation is, it's the love of God the father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we can have peace with God in the communion of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 is parallel to this ironic blessing. And so we're asking the Lord to hear, to turn to us, to shine, to smile, to satisfy His people, and to act. Lord, secure us. Keep us from all evil. Lord, shower us with Your grace. You have a dispensation to give. Your blessing is Your goodness in action. Oh, Lord, we're asking you in prayer to answer. Be gracious to us. Shower us with your blessing. And then the Lord give you peace. Lord, settle us. Strengthen us in this world. And prepare us for the next. In Psalm 67 that you and I sang earlier, if you notice, there's a sequel to the ironic blessing. It says, The Lord bless thee and keep thee and cause his face to shine upon thee. And at the end of the psalm it says that that thy favor might... Let me just read that. How your memory fails. It's a sequel. The psalmist here is quoting from Aaronic Blessing. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. But notice the sequel. When God's blessing falls upon his people, it then expands beyond his people that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. 
Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. And he, he repeats it. Let the people praise thee, O God, as if he's saying, let Israel praise thee. But you see the expansion of the heart. Tell me there wasn't evangel evangelization in the Old Testament. God's people had a burden outside their own nation. Let all the people praise thee. But notice now the blessing expands. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even her own God, shall bless us. But then God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear it. The point here is that God blessed the church, but in blessing the church, the church then will become a blessing to the world by going forth into all the world and preaching the gospel. Our burden is not just that we are blessed as a, as a people of God. We want others to come and receive Christ as Savior and the hope of eternal life and peace in the midst of turmoil and salvation that's forever and ever and ever. Your, is your heart burdened outside the, 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 the visible church today? Do we not want to see more and more and more people come to Christ? God says his amen at the end of this blessing. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. The idea is that they're bringing his blessing down as their, as their hands are lifted up in the air. They shall put my name upon them. And I, and the I is emphatic in the Hebrew here, and I myself will bless them. The Lord is giving us his amen to this benediction. Remember what the Lord Jesus did before his, he ascended to heaven? Look with me in Luke chapter 24, please. Luke 24. Luke 24. Last words of the Gospel of Luke. Verse 50. Luke 24, 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Jesus' last act on earth was blessing his people. And I wonder, it doesn't say what he said, but I wonder if he gave the ironic blessing, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord causes his face to shine upon thee and be gracious to thee. The Lord Lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And may I just close with these thoughts. This is an element in worship. It really should, really, really should not be missed in any public worship service. When you think of why do we do what we do here? If you've been here long enough, you know we, we begin with announcements or we, we begin with, with, with a psalm. We, we, we have public prayer. We have another hymn or a psalm we we have public reading of scripture we have a sermon we i, I forgot in the very beginning we have the we have the greeting like the greeting in the epistles the, may god's grace be upon you god's grace mercy and praise we have a call to worship and at the end of the service you have a benediction i know it, it seems static but it's 
These are elements that the scripture is teaching us to include. The greeting to begin the service, peace be unto you, as Jesus greeted his disciples. And they often said, the Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. The calls to worship over and over again in the Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, I have loved thy house. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of his saints. You read all through the book of Psalms, there are calls to worship him. And the Psalms teach us how we are to conduct ourselves in worship. You have Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You have public praying. You have the public reading of God's word like in Ezra and Nehemiah and Jesus in the temple in uh, Nazareth. You have the simple you have at the close of worship the benediction that God would bless all that was conducted in his name. Lord, bless the greeting that came to your people. Bless the call to worship. Bless the reading. Bless the praying. Bless the, 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 the singing. Bless, Lord, the preaching of your word. Bless the, the, the application of it to our hearts. And so the, the last word in a, in a worship service is God's blessing. Just like Jesus' last word was a benediction to his disciples. And you know there are benedictions all over the New Testament. Not just the Old Testament. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. That's a benediction. Luke or Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Luke 24. Again, he lifts up his hands. Acts 1.8. Acts 20.32. Romans. 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Ephesians. Twice. Philippians. Hebrews. 1 John. Jude. Revelation. All over the New Testament, there are benedictions. As if the apostles in their letters are saying, Oh God, bless your people with the words that I have just sent to them. If you don't bless them, Lord, they won't be blessed. And isn't it true? Unless God blesses these words to our hearts, we'll be like the, 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 we'll be like the seed that, that, that was planted and the devil just plucked it up. Or we'll go out into, this, into the world and we'll let the, the cares of this world and the lusts of other things Choke out the word and it'll be unfruitful. And when we cause, when we lift up our hands, as it were, and bless God's people, where it's our prayer, Lord, don't let any word fall to the ground. Don't let the devil steal the seed. Don't let us be distracted by the cares of this world and, and how the world wants to distract us from the things of God, all the sports and all the, all the riffraff that's out there in the world. It's almost like if we go out now and we forget what God has said and we just turn on the television and just read the newspaper and we just let all the things of this world flood our mind, we might as well, after a meal, put our finger in our mouths and shove it down our throats and vomit out what we just ate. The devil doesn't want the word to take root in our hearts. Oh, brother and sister, take God is wise in telling us to keep the Sabbath holy. He's saying... I want my word to sink down in your hearts and for you to meditate on it and, and like, the, like the, the cow that takes the food and, and regurgitates it. What does it say of Psalm 1? The blessed man meditates day and night in the law of the Lord. Delights in it. Becomes a tree planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth his food in season. 
May God bless his word to our hearts. May God bless us with his word. And may we profit from it. And as God has blessed living church today all over the world, may then the living church go out in the world and the fear of God fall on those outside the living church, that they might praise the Lord too, that many will be converted to Christ, not just inside the public worship services, but that we'll all go now into the world having been with the Lord today, and point people to Jesus and that others will trust Christ and then join the living church's next Lord's Day and to be able to receive God's benediction. Amen. Oh, Father in heaven, we are desperately in need of your blessing, of your goodness and grace. Lord, that there would be a fulfillment of the truth that we've heard today, we would realize, Lord, that, that your word is not just automatic, that an hour of listening is not the end of the matter. Lord, it's, it's a meal, I trust, that we would eat, but just like our food, it takes hours for it to digest and, and, and to strengthen our bodies. Oh Lord, we pray that as your word has come forth today, that our souls would digest it as we meditate and spend this day in your word and in prayer and in fellowship. We pray, Lord, that we would digest it, meditate on it, taste it. Lord, that it would do us good. We would go forth this week in the strength of the Lord and be light and salt in this in this dark and putrid world. 